It is now time for Diary of a Wrestling Fan with Bill Chase. And now, here he is, the man who all the ladies refer to as, Hey you, stop liking all my Instagram photos, Bill Chase! Thank you, thank you, Mr. Podcast Announcer. Welcome once again to Diary of a Wrestling Fan. I am Bill Chase. This is a podcast chronicling my 33 amazing years thus far as a wrestling fan, reminiscing on some of the greatest memories that shaped my fandom. And today, <laughs> you can tell by the music, special treat. Now, a term thrown around in the world of professional wrestling and in life in general, even especially when it comes to sports, the night that changed the game. The episode I'm about to bring you truly did change the game of professional wrestling in the mid-1990s and so forth. That was the night where Hulk Hogan shocked the entire world, joined up with the former Razor Ramon, known as Scott Hall, the former Diesel, known as Kevin Nash. Now the biggest babyface of all time, Hulk Hogan, and they joined together to form the New World Order, the NWO. Now, as I said, that term, the night that changed the game, it gets thrown around quite often. But you think of everything that followed, both not just in WCW, but in the world of professional wrestling. This may very well be the most important angle in 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 the, in the history of wrestling. You can argue. I mean, it's an arguable point, granted. But when you think the impact it had on the the business as a whole, it's incredible to think about. But yet, there are several documentaries about that. What I'm here to talk about. It's how a 13-year-old Bill Chase watched this all unfold on his TV screen on Lawfield Drive back in the summer of 1996. Now, of course, uh, before we get started, however, on this uh, amazing roller coaster ride, I want to give a shout-out, of course, to Pro Wrestling Ontario. It was competitive action. Ontario Independent Wrestling, some of the best competitors. Make it happen. Check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter. Instagram and subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, thank you for listening to this podcast on Anchor or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We are now available. All right, so here we go. So, in the spring of 1996, um, I was in grade seven. And even though I was never really good in school, I was actually having one of my better uh, academic years. And the world of professional wrestling had kind of taken a downswing. 1995, if I'm backtracking a little bit, was a rough year for the business as a whole. And even as a fan, I was still into it. I was still heavily into it. But there were just certain, I was certain to notice as a kid, there were certain things I, I wasn't enjoying anymore. I, I liked Diesel as champion. But to be honest, even though I liked Diesel, my 12-year-old mindset at that time in late 1995 was, well, I kind of want Bret Hart to be champion again. Bret was still my guy. Or I wanted The Undertaker to be champion. But then, of course, I don't need to tell some, a lot of you listening to this probably that September 1995, that also changed everything. The Monday Night Wars were underway. WCW got a Monday Night Time slot to run opposite of Raw. WCW Monday Nitro debuted... And the wrestling world was a buzz. Even at the age of 12 and not being a, what you call a smart fan on the inside, I knew something was shifting. I knew the wrestling world was changing. I liked WCW, but I was a WWF guy through and through. I had followed Hulk Hogan's run uh, with the company because I was a big Hulkamaniac. I loved Hogan. But even being that age, I felt that I'd rather see him in the WWF still. It's like when one of your favorite players gets traded to, you know, another team. You know, you still support him. You still cheer on him. And he's still, 
Chiramon, I should say. And you still, you know, hope he succeeds, but he's not part of your team anymore. Now, Nitro um, wasn't available in Canada right away. I think it was around uh, it was around this time, actually, in 1996, that it started airing on TSN, sporad almost like sporadically. I, I, don't, I can't even remember it being on every week. And maybe I'm just remembering it differently, but from what I recall, I don't recall seeing Nitro every week. That changed. So I felt that by late 95... With the title back on Bret Hart. And WCW still had the more intriguing product. I was starting to see that Monday Nitro had more to deliver in terms of a television show than Raw did. That's why I was disappointed every week when Nitro, the weeks I missed Nitro. I'd actually, I wouldn't, we did get TBS, so I was always tuning into WCW Saturday night to actually check the results of Nitro more than anything. Although, at that time, WCW Saturday Night was still having some high-profile matches. Not a lot, but it was safe for Nitro, and rightfully so. I thought, I, I, I was into the stuff with Sting and Luger. I was always, you know, because with Luger being the, the heel, Sting being the babyface, but the fact that they're best friends teaming up, I was waiting for the day where either Luger would finally turn on Sting or when Sting would finally smarten up and get rid of Luger. And we never did. We never did get that payout. But still, I was ready to. I was. I was hoping Macho Man would just tear Ric Flair to shreds one day. All the stuff Flair was doing to him, Elizabeth betraying Macho was one of the most shocking. As a kid, that was shocking. I grew up watching that classy lady, and then watching what she'd become alongside Ric Flair, and how Flair and Liz would screw him over. How Macho would go crazy, get thrown out of buildings. And just never truly get his revenge that way. So WCW had a captivating a captivating product, even without Hogan on television. He kind of left in the spring of 96 to take a break filming a movie, I believe. I think it was that Three Ninjas movie he did. But I actually enjoyed it without Hogan. I actually almost forgot Hogan was there. Like, not really, but like it just didn't bother me that he wasn't there. And even, again, even being that age, I had just turned 13 in March of 96. I, and again, I was still liking the WWE, but Brett was gone. And again, that, Brett was on hiatus after the Iron Man match where he lost the title to Shawn Michaels. I like Shawn Michaels too, but again, I like Brett more. I like The Undertaker more. And even a couple months into Shawn's reign, even though I really enjoyed that match he had with Diesel. You know, it was, by May, I already wanted to see Brett back and him being champion. So, here's the way this story unfolds for me. In late May, 1996, I'm anticipating the school year ending. I was not a very popular student. I was not uh, what you deem cool. I was a bit nerdy. Uh, didn't exactly have a way with the ladies, although mind you, not many people in grade 7 did. But regardless, I digress. I did have a good friend uh, by the name of Adam Pryor at the time. And he at the time, he was a big wrestling fan too. And honest to God, I remember that day in school. It was in, uh, I think it was in... Might have been an English class or something, or no? It might, it might. It was either. I think it might have been even family studies. I don't know. But either way, I remember because it was. We were allowed to talk at what we weren't getting trouble, so it probably wasn't English. We were allowed to talk, and we didn't get in trouble. And class is very rare. So Adam and I were talking, and I said to him, "Hey, did you notice something?" And he's like, "What?" I said, "On on Raw lately." He's like, "What do you mean?" I said, "Where's Diesel?" Now, with, with Razor Ramon, Scott Hall, he hadn't been on television all that much in 1996, to be honest, because he had a lot of troubles and whatnot. And 
I noticed before things. I I'd actually just seen, but the thing is, I'd seen Scott Hall Razor at a WWF house show on May the tenth. Now this Nitro that about to come into question aired on May twenty seventh live, but it aired on May 29th on a Wednesday in Canada. Honest to goodness, I said to Adam that day, "Where where's Diesel been?" And Adam even said, well, he's probably just injured or something. He'll probably come back and go after Sean again. And I thought the same thing. So, even though Razor's sporadic appearances were kind of weird to me, too, it didn't, it, his absence, because, again, he been, had been on TV all that much throughout 90s, the early part of 96, didn't really, wasn't all that noticeable. Diesel was on TV almost every week. He lost that big match to Shawn Michaels at uh, In Your House, Good Friends, Better Enemies, which, again, was an amazing match. I remember being right into that. And he was gone. So, lo and behold, I get home from school that day. Uh, both my parents were still at work, so I was alone. Remember, I, I had made myself a snack. And uh, I was just flicking channels, and I realized it was, you know, it was just shortly after 4, I'm thinking, oh, Nitro is coming on. Or at least I hope it was. There it was, TSN. And I'm watching, and it's the minute, this is literally, like, not even the minute, five seconds after changing the channel, seeing a, a match that I couldn't even make out who it was at first, Suddenly, I'm seeing Razor Ramon hop over the guardrail, and I don't, I obviously didn't have a mirror at the time, but I can remember being shocked. I remember I was, what was, I think I might have even been eating like a, one of those half moon cakes. And I think I just, it held it in my hand, I froze as I was in the middle of a bite, I believe, and there he was. And I'll never forget, never forget those immortal words. You people, you all know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. And I'm thinking to myself, what is he doing on Nitro? This is Razor Ramon, the guy I had watched for, for the better part of four years. Be one of the most popular wrestlers in WWF. I had literally just seen him. Just, like, just a couple weeks back. Barely even three weeks ago. At a, at a house show at Cops Coliseum. For the WWF. Fighting Jerry the King Lawler. And I hung on his every word. And I could hear Tony Schiavone and Larry Zabisco... In the, uh, you know, talking in the background, obviously, because they're on commentary. And they were saying, get security out here. And I'm like, oh my, oh my God. Like, again, I knew wrestling was a work already at this point. But again, being 13 years old, this is real. That's what I thought. I'm like, he's not supposed to be here. He's a WWF guy. Yes, I've seen wrestlers jump before, like Hogan, like Savage. But their jumps were more publicized. They were hyped up. But even when Flair jumped back in 93, again, he, his, his uh, return was, again, hyped up. Right away, the first thing I do after Scott Hall walks out of the ring, I grab the phone, I rush the phone, I call Adam. I said, are you watching Nitro right now? And he's like, no, why? I'm like, Razor Ramon was just on there. He's like, what? Like, he, I think he thought I was playing a joke on him. He's like, no, he wasn't. He said he just saw my cops. I said, well, he just jumped into the ring on Nitro. So right away, he changed the stage. He's like, well, I don't see him. I'm like, mm. You know what I mean? That's just it. Like it. 
I can barely remember what happened the rest of that show. But man, here I am just changing the channel, expecting what's the latest between Sting and Luger. You know, what's what's going on with Flair and the Macho Man. And I get one of my favorite wrestlers at the time appearing on WWE Monday Nitro saying, you want a war? You're going to get one. I'm kind of skipping ahead a few steps here. When he said that, I'm like, oh my god. WWF is finally going is finally going to invade WCW. I remember hearing on Nitro them taking shots at the WWF. I remember Bischoff giving away results on commentary. And I remember Hall making a threat to Bischoff. I'm like, oh man. I was just eagerly waiting for Hall to come back out and do something. And again, I just don't know him as Razor, so I should say. I didn't know his real name. It, it, it was like I couldn't focus on the rest of the show. And right after that, I called my cousin Jeffrey, who was one of the ones who got me into wrestling. And we talked about what we just saw, too. He was watching. <laughs> Man, was it ever crazy. And I just kept watching, hoping he'd come back out again. And I think I remember now. It was, um, I kept watching, watching, watching. And my parents came home. So I moved upstairs to, into my room to watch it. Because we had the rec room in the basement. I moved upstairs to my room to watch it on my TV. Waiting, waiting. I remember it was, it was Sting against one of the Steiners. I think it was Scott. Because him and, you know, Sting and Lex were kind of feeling with them at the time. And I remember I was really intrigued by that, too. So I was into that, kind of hoping that, you know, Razor would come back out. And the match ended. I was kind of disappointed. They went to commercial. But then as uh, Bischoff and Heenan, because I think they, yeah, because Tony and Larry did the first hour, Bischoff and Heenan did the second. Razor came back out. And I remember he yeah, threatened Bischoff to get his three best for WCW. And Razor says, we're taking over. And I'm like, yes. Yes, that WWF is invading WCW. And I, and I noticed the we. The we. Thinking, oh my God, who else does he have? It didn't even occur to me who he might have. You know, it, even though I was talking about it that very day, where's Diesel? It still somehow didn't occur to me. I think I just got so wrapped up in the excitement. For the first time ever, I was looking more forward to a Nitro than a Raw. Even though I was more intrigued by WWE's product, again, I, was, I, I thought of myself as a WWF loyalist. Because the thing going on in the WWF that was exciting me more than anything at that time was the feud between The Undertaker and uh, a quote-unquote newcomer by the name of Mankind, even though I knew it was Cactus Jack, even, even that young. Because again, I watched WCW when he was there. But the point is, I was still, because I'd never seen The Undertaker be beaten up by anyone like that. So again, that feud itself was very captivating. So then... I'm excited for the next week. Now, my school was really close, so I had a lot of time to kill. But again, I was actually sitting there in my room, eagerly awaiting Nitro to start. Like, come on, can't start already? Can't start already? Come on, come on, come on. And I couldn't, I just couldn't believe it that this was actually happening. I want to see, I want to see what Razor was going to do next. So there I was, waiting. Nitro began. I didn't miss because I missed. A, I think I think I missed a whole match. Though I, I was lucky to turn the channel when I did the week before. Pretty sure I missed a whole match, but it was right there for the beginning this time. They were saying the. You know, I think Flair and Anderson were facing the Rock and Roll Express. And I'm just like, come on, come on, where's Razor? Like, and I, 
Yeah, even though, like I said, WCW still had some intriguing things happening, I was getting bored. Like, come on! Like, where is he? Like, again, I was literally like... Like a kid just, you know, it's so impatient. And then I remember I got, I was getting so bored, I kept, I actually was flicking channels. And then again came the end. It was, I remember this now, it was the tag team talent match between the Steiners and, against Sting and Luger. And Razor came out. At the very end once again. And I'm like, yes, here we go. And Sting gets in his face in the commentary table area. Oh my, I had goosebumps. I had goosebumps seeing Sting and Razor face to face. Right away, it was a match I wanted to see. Little did I know what, what was around the corner. So... Sting and uh, Razor get into a little small little scuffle. I think yeah, Sting slapped him. But Razor promised a big surprise the following week. As soon as he said big surprise, like, it's Diesel. It's Diesel. And again, the next day of school, I didn't call Adam that day. The next day of school, I said, and we both agree. We said, we didn't even say hello to each other as we went in for class this morning. We were supposed to just said, it's diesel. It's, it's definitely diesel. So there we were, again, in our wrestling fandom, just talking about what's going to happen. I said, he wants WWE. Who's going to be the WWE 3? Well, that's what we were discussing. And I said, well, uh, probably Sting. Maybe Luger, because Luger was Sting's tag team partner, obviously. And we're thinking, because Macho Man at the time was feuding with uh, Flair still, so we weren't even really thinking about him. Guess who we thought WWE's third guy was going to be? Hogan. <laughs> yep. Uh, Hogan had been off of TV for a while, but they've been still been showing like, like montages with him in it and whatever on uh, WWE television. So we figured he was coming back soon. We couldn't wait to see Diesel on on Nitro. So as this is unfolding, I, I, I was actually again because my cousins on my my dad's side were still big fans, but they weren't watching as much WCW. They were still, but not near as much as or as WWF or near as much as I was watching WCW at that point. But they were excited about it too. They're saying they said the same thing. They said, "Do you think it's Diesel?" I remember my cousin Wayne saying, "Do you think it's Diesel?" I'm like, "I know it's Diesel." Who else would he be talking about? Diesel hasn't been on on Raw for weeks. And we were we were excited. We were we couldn't believe it. Like like WWF is going to kick WCW's ass. That's how we thought about this whole thing. And I'm sure some of you out there might be, oh, you dumb Mark, whatever. Hey, I wouldn't trade these memories for anything. Believe me. I was marking out thinking that WWF was finally going to invade WCW. Because to be honest with you, I was I didn't like Bischoff. I thought Bischoff was annoying. I thought he was there's just something about him that reminded me of a lot of the assholes from school. <laughs> he did. So then you know what? They're gonna shut him up finally. Yeah, they had me and countless others in hook, line, and sinker. And even some of the most jaded fans believe that a lot of this was real. So, of course, the big day arrives once again. And, and again, life is great. School is about to end. The Hamilton Tiger Cats at the time had just signed probably the greatest CFL quarterback of all time at that point, Matt Dunnigan. Life was going to be amazing. It was going to be an epic summer. I, I just, oh. And then there, of course, is the very end of Nitro. They waited again. I knew, I knew it was going to be the end again this time, but I was I was in anticipation. And there he was, standing right behind Bischoff. And that was when <laughs> Diesel delivered, or Nash delivered the, 
Famous, look at the adjective, play, that promo. <laughs> yeah, it was a human error, whatever. It's still memorable. People still talk about it. So either way, though, I was just excited to see him. Who gives a crap? Even I, even I knew about nouns and adjectives and verbs. <laughs> the difference between them, because I learned that in grade five. I know. I'm just, I'm just ripping on Kevin Nash. Actually, to, to be honest, Kevin Nash is one of the nicest wrestlers I've ever met. So anyway, I digress. So then Bischoff invites them to the Great American Bash pay-per-view, which was coming up. I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes. And I said to my, uh, I said to my my dad that I, I can't miss the Great American Bash. Now I'll admit the feud with um, at the, that was taking the forefront at that point was. One between uh, Kevin Green, the star football player, and uh, his tag team partner, another star football player, Steve McMichael, who had been doing commentary on Nitro. They kind of run afoul of the four horsemen, mainly, of course, Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. And they were going to have a tag team match where Macho Man was going to be their, uh, their coach, so to speak, the coach of the football players. And I was interested in that song because I actually liked Kevin Green back then. He was back then he was with the Steelers. And even though I was looking forward to that, I just more want to see what Razor and Diesel were going to do. Now, we had the black box at the time. The cheater box, I guess they call it in some circles. But some WCW pay-per-views I had managed to miss but I said I couldn't miss this one. And of course, an infamous moment where they come out and they try to, like, Bischoff asked them, I remember, you know, are you working for the WF? And they said, they both said no. And my first thought, I'm like, they're lying. So they totally are. I knew it was a part of a bigger picture, I was thinking in my head. There's got to be more to this. There's got to be more people behind it. I'm thinking to myself, too, who else is behind this? And, of course, they asked Bischoff to reveal the three guys. He refused. And Nash powerbombs Bischoff through a table. Now, again, authority figures being beaten up is almost commonplace these days. It's like it's very rare you go a few months without it. <laughs> but back then, because they, they didn't acknowledge on TV that Bischoff was the uh, executive producer of WCW. You didn't see many non-wrestlers taking a beating like this. And my jaw dropped, but I'm like, I was like Chris Farley and Tommy Boy. That was awesome. Because I hated Bischoff, too. I was just shocked that it actually happened. And, of course, they set it all up for Bash the Beach. And we would later learn that the guys, the three guys WCW would have would be uh, Sting Luger, like we predicted, and Macho Man. Even though they did a big angle that night at the Great American Bash where the Macho Man, uh, Mon Mongo, Steve McMichael, would now now part of a hilarious Twitter feed, <laughs> um, betrayed Kevin Green, joined the Horsemen, they all betrayed Macho Man, or they all attacked Macho Man, so McMichael betrayed everyone. Became a member of the Four Horsemen. And they kind of, that feud was still going, but they kind of sidestepped it for this war with the NWO. Or no, they weren't the NWO. They were called the Outsiders. I'm jumping the gun because I'm just, again, I'm, I'm actually just getting excited remembering this. The Outsiders. Razor and Diesel, some were referred to by their WF names. They weren't even referred to by their real names really all that much on TV. And that was the beauty of this whole thing. They didn't need to be referred to it by any of their names because everybody knew who they were. There's no question about it. Nitro for weeks, it was a tense atmosphere. Security guards being called out. Macho Man being his crazy self. Oh, man. Nitro was can't miss TV. Whereas Raw, well, I never missed an episode of Raw, but let's just say I probably would have been crying if I had. 
Ross programming wasn't providing much of excitement in the way of excitement. There was a feud going on between Shawn Michaels and the British Bulldog, which was, you know, it was, it was all right. But even as a kid, this, that feud did not intrigue me. Like, you know, I was still rooting for Shawn because I hated the Bulldog, but same time, this was amazing. I'd never seen anything like this. My loyalty may have been sold to the WWF for the most part, but I was more eager to watch Nitro. I was watching both shows equally, but I was more eager for Nitro to start. You see, here in Canada, and I should explain for anyone who might be listening in the U.S., we didn't have to choose. We didn't have that tough choice that you all had. Despite that, though, the Monday Night Wars are still the best the best era because there's just so much great stuff. We were, actually, we were actually blessed here in Canada because we could watch both. <laughs> and it was still the best era to be a fan. So, the question we had on our mind, of course, next time we said school was ending. Who's the third man for the Outsiders? Who's Diesel and Razor's partner? We had no guesses. And then finally, it popped in my head as Adam and I were riding bikes. It's got to be Bret Hart. Again, remember, I'm thinking this is a legit WWF invasion. And Bret Hart hasn't been, uh, again, on television really since WrestleMania 12. I didn't know much about the World Tour. Like, I knew about the World Tours that WWF did, but I didn't know Bret was doing all of them. And I remember they did air that one interview he did from Germany not long after WrestleMania 12. And I'm thinking, he still hasn't been on TV all that much. He hasn't been there live. It's him. It's Bret Hart. Bret Hart's the third man. And Adam thought that might be true, too. My cousin Jeffrey thought the same thing. Even my cousin said that would be, that'd be so cool. I remember Wayne had come over uh, to stay the night. And uh, we were talking about the possibilities of the third man as well. We were all excited about it because... It, we we were thinking it might be Brett because I remember it was shortly after the it was a great it was a great start to the summer because school ended I had a, had a good mark had a good average and Brett Hart was going to help invade WCW now as I mentioned the Hamilton Tiger Cats had just won their first game uh, with Matt Dunnigan as their starter in pretty dominant fashion. Again, I think me, I cherish summer. For those who know me, I cherish the summer season even to this day. And I'm thinking this is going to be the greatest summer. Awesome stuff happening in WCW. Even WWF still had some stuff that was pretty good. Wrestling was going to be great. The Tie Cats were finally going to win the Great Cup for the first time in 10 years, we're thinking. There was going to be camping. There was going to be sleepovers. There was going to be drive-in movies. Just lots of fun. Family gatherings, which I always look forward to. Summer was the best. And it was going to get off to a huge start. Now, here's the thing. And this is the big swerve, bro. This is the swerve right here. I didn't watch the pay-per-view live. We had a family gathering that weekend. I believe we went to uh, a Christie Conservation Area. And then later we ended up at, um, at my uncle's place. But so, we had it taped. No big deal. I was still going to see it. And that's the thing. We didn't have internet at that point. So no spoilers. Adam didn't watch the pay-per-view either. Jeffrey did, but I didn't talk to him. And that wasn't even intentional. We just hadn't talked in a little while. So as I pop in the tape, and again, back to the beach, couldn't believe what I was about to see. And I'm thinking to myself, 
you know what? Forget the rest of these matches. Can we just get to, to the main event? But then I remember the uh, the opener, Mysterio and Psychosis. And I think actually at first, and to my young ignorance, I'm like, I don't want to see these two. I was actually, I remember being really excited, like getting excited towards the end of that match, really into the finish, and actually cheering when Ray won. So just goes to show you how good those two are. A match I didn't even care about when it started, and by the end of it, I was carrying that Ray won. I was going for Ray by the end of it. Then there was just, uh, but the rest of the stuff, I just didn't care. You know, I knew, I, was, I think John Tenta and Big Bubba-faced, uh, I think that, I remember the Nasty Boys, I think, were feeding with Public Enemy at that time. Yeah, the, uh, that's right, the, 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 the dog collar match. But uh, So I was kind of intrigued by that, because I like the Nasty Boys. Um, I remember Disco Inferno, Malenko. Oh, Steve McMichael. <laughs> had uh, made his, uh, had his debut match against uh, Joe Gomez. Mm, yawn. And then... Again, that's what I'm thinking as a, as a kid. I'm like, I don't want to see this. And I knew Ric Flair was somehow going to cheat to beat Conan and win the U.S. title, blah, 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 blah. But anyway, it finally came. I am not kidding you, even though I was watching a tape, even though this, even though the world had already known what happened. I was excited. You cannot distract me. I, and I could be easily distracted as a kid. You could not distract me, though. I was right, zero, like right there's a zeroing in on the television and solely the television. As Razor and Diesel made their way to the ring, Mean Gene came out and asked where their third guy is, and they just said, he's here and he's ready. I'm like, what the hell does that mean? Thinking, oh, come on, Brett, where are you? Where are you, Brett? So, um, <laughs> Savage, Sting, and Luger make their way out. The match starts, and they uh, Shivani finally refers to Razor and Diesel as Holland Nash. I'm like, oh, okay, so I guess that's the real names. I'm thinking that's what I'm thinking. Luger got hurt early in the match and was carted out. That thought popped in my head. Wait, Luger and Sting have been doing this thing for months where they have that small sort of tension, but they're still best friends tagging up with each other. You know, Luger had primarily been a heel, though he'd become kind of a face by this point. More of like maybe a tweener, I guess. But I think, wait, maybe is this maybe Luger going to stab Sting in the back here? And he's the third guy? Yep, hook, line, and sinker. Fell for it. So I'm just, um, I, I'm right into this match, like very few others. I wasn't even into the Iron Man match, which, you know, for all intents and purposes, as an actual, like, wrestling match was better, but at this one, I didn't care. I just wanted to see who the third guy was. Like, let's get to this. Is it Luger? Is it Brett? I'm still hoping it's Brett. So then by the time the, um, the Outsiders are fully in control, they just hit a low blow on Macho. You see the crowd start to stir. And Dusty Rhodes, yeah, Hogamania. I'm like, oh my god, it's Hogan. Now again, you'd think with all the things I'm trying to predict for this scenario, I it, I would include in. At first I didn't. I didn't even hear it in, the, in this first airing. I like he didn't say whose side is he on. I remember seeing that later thinking, oh, that's probably just Heenan, because he never trusted he never trusted Hogan, he always hated him, they always feuded. I was just wondering what Hogan was gonna do. I was half expecting him pretty much to just start going nuts on Hall and Nash. But Hall and Nash had uh, powder to the outside. And right there, even before he hit the leg drop. The last second I said, it's him. And then right as soon as I said that, drops the leg on Macho. I'm grabbing my hair in excitement. 
I never thought I would live to see the day that Hulk Hogan would become a bad guy. But I was almost jumping on the couch. I know I'm supposed to hate him for what he's doing to the Macho Man. But for some reason, I don't. And then the ring starts filling up with garbage. Like, I've never seen anything like this. Mean Gene comes in. Remember Hogan. Tell these fans to shut up if they want to hear what I have to say. I'm like, wow. Just hearing those words come out of his mouth. I, I couldn't believe it. I hung on Hogan's every word. And you know what I thought to myself? He's right. Because what I got from his promo was that WCW is not on WWF's level. And this just goes to show how smart this whole thing was. I'm thinking that in my head. But yet I'm going to be tuning into WCW quite a bit for the next couple of years because of this. And again, yep, they got me. Much like they did a lot of fans, I'm sure, especially my age. And I'm thinking, and I'm also thinking while Hogan's cutting this promo, it all makes sense. Who is a bigger star on the WWF than Hogan? Nobody, not even, and I love Brett. Not even Brett. And, and here I am thinking for weeks that Brett's going to be the third guy. I was, I was actually happy it was Hogan. And then when he said, you fans can stick it, brother. <laughs> oh my goodness. Are these words actually coming out of his mouth? As that ring filled up with garbage and Mean Gene's, dis mean Gene's heart is breaking. Because again, I knew that him and Hogan, you could tell by the way they did their interviews, they had a friendship. Credit has to go to Mean Gene here for the way he presented this whole scenario as well. Hogan was a longtime friend of his. He even alluded to that while interviewing him. And the downtrodden voice of Tony Schiavone. We've seen the last of Hulkamania. Hulk Hogan can go straight to hell. Like, oh man. And then the show ends, and I could not wait. Because even though my, my, my dad was starting to lose interest in wrestling at this time, I remember I ran to tell, tell him, Hulk Hogan is a bad guy. He almost couldn't believe it. He tried to make it off that he, you know, he knew it all along, but I could tell he, yeah, he didn't see that one coming. Right away, called Adam. Told him he didn't care that I spilled it because he didn't have a tape. He said, "He really? Oh, you? Uh, I gotta gotta let me have that tape." That's all he like again. He wasn't even upset that I spoiled it. He just said, "I want to see the tape." So I actually let him the tape. Jeffrey and I talked about it for almost an hour. I remember the next time I saw Wayne, that he was <laughs> he was going crazy about it too. Hulk Hogan, the greatest babyface of all time, was a bad guy. Couldn't believe it. Was a heel. So you know, I didn't. I didn't. I, I should be careful. I didn't refer to them as babyfaces or heels back then because I didn't even know what those terms meant back then. But yeah, he was. A, he was a bad guy. But I liked him for it, which is weird for me because I didn't like many bad guys. And the story I'm going to tell there, like, it's a quick one. And I'm going to do a full episode on this coming up this summer sometime. In 1995, a year prior to this, I had discovered a little promotion called ECW. And there was a wrestler there 
I'm sure a good portion of you listening to this will know, by the name of Raven, had this personality I somehow connected with that I related to. Even though I didn't dress like him, I didn't you know, listen to the bands that he had on his t-shirts even. But yet, the way he talked, the way he despised his rivals, like Tommy Dreamer. Because Dreamer, to me, was the guy who I hated in school. Like, much like Bishaw. Different personalities, granted, but again, there were a lot of different personalities in my school that I couldn't stand, that I hated because they made my life miserable. And it made me relate to a bad guy for the first time. Now, the NWO, as Hogan said, this is the new world organization, he said often, but he didn't say order at least once. New World Order of Wrestling, NWO, as it would become known. And we're off the races, and again, every week. It was must-see TV. People credit Vince Russo for Crash TV, and as well they should. But it was WCW at this point. What are they going to do next? What are these guys now? They have the biggest star in wrestling by their side. Now that Razor and Diesel are now, I know them less. Hall and Nash have Hulk Hogan by their side. What is going to happen next? So, of course, I am in deep anticipation for Nitro right after the uh, the fallout the fallout Nitro from the pay-per-view. And I remember it was the match with Sting and Arn Anderson. Where um, Holland Nash were there with Hogan. They were in a limo or whatever. And Holland Nash walked to the ring. Hogan stays back. And remember, they had to get, yeah, they had the security to stop the outsiders. Which Hall and Ash still say, like, that's what they were calling them for weeks, so they stayed that way for their tag team name. And remember, Sting cut one of the best promos uh, of his career. Along with Macho Man in the ring with him, and it was just uh, how dis- how heartbroken they were that Hogan did this. And I'm thinking, man, this is huge. Like w- again, next week, what the hell's gonna happen? And I remember just thinking, what's I know Hogan already said his piece, but he's got to have more to say. That's all I can think. What's what else Hogan gonna say? Then I remember they they beat down Lex Luger the following week. Uh, they announced Hogan and the Giant for the the Hog Wild pay per view coming up in August. My goodness, Hogan's gonna take that title and he's gonna bring it back to the WWF. I'm still thinking this is a WWF thing. And just everything that was in the weeks following. Again, Rey Mysterio being thrown like a lawn dart into a trailer. Then the, the horsemen getting involved. I'm thinking, oh my, like this, this is every which way. It was amazing television. I couldn't wait to watch every week. All the while, I'm watching Plumbers and Garbage Man and WWF. I shouldn't. I shouldn't. Uh, I shouldn't make it sound that bad. Shawn Michaels was carrying the load on his back, and even back then, I'm thinking he's blowing the competition out of the water. Not to mention Undertaker's feud with Mankind was the most captivating thing they had on television at that point as well. So I was still into both companies, but in WWF, I was eager for Bret Hart to come back. And I was watching Raw, so you know, wondering what was going to happen every week. and still into it, but. Nitro I couldn't miss from here on in. Here I am 
years later still wondering, how did I not boo Hogan? In hindsight, I probably should have. Best thing about being a kid and a fan, isn't it? So that's going to do it for this week. <sighs> that was a fun trip down memory lane. To be honest with you all, I had a pretty rough day as I record this. And I'm just not, I wasn't happy in general. But looking back on this, reminiscing about this time, just a lot of fun. So that's going to do it for me this week here on Diary of a Wrestling Fan. Again, you can find me, BillChase33, on both Instagram and Twitter. You can add me on Facebook if you haven't already. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel, please. I need the subscribers. My podcast is doing pretty well on Anchor and Spotify, but it's not doing well on YouTube. Please listen. Listen anywhere. I don't really care. <laughs> Even if you don't listen on YouTube, just listen. <laughs> anyway, this is available wherever podcasts are played or streamed, I guess is the proper term, whatever. I'm old. Give me a break. <laughs> Next week, I am going to stick with the WCW theme. And yes, Hogan is still going to be at the forefront of this, but in a different way. It'll be the infamous episode of Monday Nitro that took place in July of 1998 at the Georgia Dome when Hollywood, Hulk Hogan, the leader of the New World Order, would defend his title against a man riding a huge undefeated streak and dominating the competition, a tough badass by the name of Bill Goldberg. You know, look back on that fun night, all the things like that too. And I know some of you are probably saying, oh, Bill, you can elaborate on the, the NWO. You do realize I'm just starting this podcast, right? That it's not going to be the last time I talk about the NWO or Hogan or Holler Nash or even tons of other NWO members that would follow. See, I'm already, I'm already planning ahead. But once again, thank you all for tuning in. We have some great episodes coming up. We're going to revert back to some WWF stuff as well later. So until next time, this is your friend and mine, Bill Chase, quoting a wise Hamilton when I tell you, don't you dare miss it. Thank you for listening to Diary of a Wrestling Fan with Bill Chase. If you'd like to make a contribution to the show, just send Bill a lifetime supply of Blue Chew.